What is up, everybody? Joel McCall, REI In Your Car podcast. This is part four, I believe, of my One Deal Case Study series. I am on my way right now, actually, to pick up my daughter from gymnastics practice, my other daughter. So my last trip that I was doing was that I recorded this was with my oldest daughter, taking her to cheer practice, this one picking up from gymnastics practice. So anyway, need to know, want to know, right? (laughs) Sorry, just trying to make this more enjoyable. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking about the One Deal case study and the one offer to make to sellers when you're talking to them. We're simplifying everything in this case study. And by the way, have you not gone to onedealcasestudy.com yet? You have, right? Because I'm giving you your money back if you do the case study thing. Like, it's a no-brainer. Do you like money or not? Do you hate money? Maybe. Maybe you do. Like, it's I've never seen anybody else ever, 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 ever do this. Why would I do it? Because I'm so stinking confident this stuff works. Okay, you go through the case study, implement what I teach you how to do step by step, and just go do it, right? Report back on your results with a video testimonial, and I will give you your money back. You don't even have to do a deal, right? Just show me that you did the marketing, that you did You made the offers. You went through the courses and stuff. So super easy. You're going to get 100% of your money back. And you're going to learn some really cool things through the process on how to do just one simple lease option deal. So go to onedealcasestudy.com, onedealcasestudy.com. On this, again, for the third time, let's see if I can get to it. We're going to be talking about the one offer that you're going to make to sellers. So, and, and you got to understand kind of the three profit centers of a lease option deal. It's cash now, cash flow, and cash later. So in a lease option deal, you're going to make some money now. That is the money you typically collect from the tenant buyer. It's the money you make from the tenant buyer from the option deposit that they put down up front. Now, that is an option deposit, so it's non-refundable. You actually give that back to them if and when they purchase the home. But if they don't, then you keep the money. But it is money that you collect and you can keep. You don't have to sit it in in an escrow account or a savings account. Now, you should save as much of it as you can for unforeseen circumstances. You should always have at least two to three months of rent in reserves for each lease option deal that you have. Ask me how I know. I've learned the hard way. But um, so that money though can go into Hip Pocket National Bank. That is money upfront that you collect from the tenant buyer. So sometimes on a lease option deal, you negotiate with the seller and you pay the seller $1,000 or $2,000 if it's a really good deal. You don't pay them that money until you collect the money from the tenant buyer from that, from that option deposit money. And normally a tenant buyer will put down three to 5% on average. You should be able to get more if you structure it right. Sometimes what I like to do is offer a lower rent if they put a larger option deposit down. Which for the tenant buyer, it should that's a no-brainer. They should put as much as they can down because it means they're going to lower the rent. And if and when they buy the house, they get all that money back anyway. 
So anyway, the cash now, that's the money from the option deposit from the tenant buyer. It does not have to sit in an escrow account or a savings account. You can spend that, but you should save as much of it as you can. Then you get cash flow. What is the cash flow? That's simple. It's the difference between the money that you're paying the seller and the rent that you're collecting from the tenant buyer who's living in the home because you're staying in the middle. So you should be getting on average $300 a month in cash flow on these lease option deals or about 20, 25% of the rent, okay? Obviously, the more expensive the house is, the more cash flow you'll get, but also the more risk involved with that. So you really want to stay in that sweet spot, median price range. That's kind of where you want to focus on. In St. Louis, Missouri, Midwest area, for an example, that's, you know, $100,000 to $250,000, okay? If you're in California, that might be two hundred fifty dollars to $500,000 or something like that. And even if you're in like an expensive market like San Francisco, for example, I would... I would look at the entire Bay Area, the entire big MSA of San Francisco, and I would say, all right, what's the median home price in this entire area? And you'll probably find even in San Francisco, the median home price is probably $500,000. It's not $1 million like it would be in downtown San Francisco. Does that make sense? So then you wanna focus on the areas where that median price home is. All right, so anyway, you get cash flow. Then, oh, by the way, let me say this. Uh, in your lease option deals, I get this question a lot. What if the seller stops making the mortgage payments? Well, you don't need to worry about that because you're going to be, you know, if you're staying in the middle, then you're going to be paying the mortgage payment yourself. Okay. If you're assigning the lease option and you're out of the deal, then you're going to have the uh, a third party servicing company pay the mortgage. So you're going to, the, the third party escrow service will collect the rent and pay the mortgage. And if there's any difference, They'll send it to you or to the seller, however you have it worked out. So that's, you're not relying or leaving the mortgage payment to be paid for by the seller. And that's part of the benefit of doing a lease option with you is you're taking care of that. Make sense? If the seller insists on collecting that rent from you so they pay the mortgage, I can understand why they would want that. So, you know, there's other things, there's different things you can do. If you can't talk them into letting you use a third-party escrow company, you could send them a check, but send them the check made out to the bank, okay? The other thing you could do is you could require to have access to their to the, to the bank account for that mortgage. Like, you know, usually mortgage companies have an online statement, and so you can get a um, username and password maybe to to make sure every every month you can go in online and see if the mortgage has been paid. The other thing you could do is you could have the seller send you a copy of the mortgage statement every month. The other thing you can do is you can get a um, authorization to release information or whatever. And just so that you can have authorization to call the bank to make sure that the mortgage has been paid. All right, does that make sense? So there's other ways around it, but it has to be a smoking hot deal for me to let the seller win that kind of an argument or a part of the negotiation. But okay, so there's cash now, cash flow, and cash later. Cash later is the difference between what you are paying the seller for the property, what you're buying it for on the A to B side, and what you're selling it to the tenant buyer for on the B to C side. So as an example, a house is worth $200,000 today, doesn't need any work, that's the as is value. So I'm gonna give the seller, let's use better round numbers, $100,000, okay? So the house is worth $100,000 today, fixed up, and I'm gonna give the seller a price for $85,000. I'm gonna buy the house for $85,000 sometime in the next three years, three to five years. Well, I'm gonna turn around and sell it to the tenant buyer for $110,000. So what is my cash later profit? It's the difference between 110 and 85, which is $25,000, right? 
That's simple math. Uh, you want to make sure when you're setting the option price for the tenant buyer that it's they're, they're going to have some incentive. You want to make sure they have some in incentive to want to buy the house. There is a little bit of equity in there for them. Uh, and that's one of the, you know, that's easy to structure. So again, cash now, cash flow, and cash later. Cash now, you should be getting five to 10 grand up front from the tenant buyer. Cash flow, you should be getting like a minimum of $300 a month in cash flow. And then cash later, you should be getting a minimum of 15% equity in the house or, you know, $30,000 back in profit, kind of depending on, on the price range that you're looking at for these deals. Really simple to understand. Wow, I'm doing 80 miles an hour right now and this guy is trying to pass me. Hold on a second. Hey, don't you judge me. I was going with the flow of traffic, <laughs> but this, I was going a little bit above the flow of traffic, but this guy was just insistent, insistent on passing me. So I finally uh, let up the gas and let him pass me. So whatever. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Now, what was I saying? Oh, cash flow, cash now, cash later. So you should be making on average 30 to $50,000 on each sandwich lease option that you are doing. Not a bad payday, huh? Sure beats working for a living, right? Sure beats having a job. You can imagine doing just four of those a year. That's $120,000 a year you could be doing on just doing one sandwich lease option deal every quarter. Is that crazy, insane, or what? Don't you love this business? Do you know if you just did one typical sandwich lease option deal a month, within three years, you'd have over $10,000 in monthly cash flow and uh, over a million dollars in equity. Now, let me explain that. That's, a, that's cash flow as in cash flow from the rent. That's not even counting the upfront deposit money that you're getting from the tenant buyer. But if you do one a month within three years, you should have about $10,000 a month in cash flow and over a million dollars in equity and spread on your property. So it's a really big deal. You need to take this you need to take this seriously, right? Like I don't think we should treat this business as a hobby. Do you? I think we should treat it as a business and take this seriously. So, if you're ready to take this seriously, go to onedealcasestudy.com. Now, when we're making an offer to the seller, it's really simple. Knowing what the three profit centers are, you're going to make them an offer of for a sandwich lease option or just a lease option is what I call it. Just make them a lease option offer. I don't like to give the seller multiple choices of a lease option assignment or a sandwich lease option or a cash offer or owner financing or whatever. Just do one at a time. And, and I like to start with the sandwich lease option offer because that's where I will make the most money on the deal. So one thing you got to remember too, when you're making the offers to the seller, there's the cool thing about lease options is there's four things that you can negotiate. What is What are those things? Number one is the price, the option price. You can negotiate the price of the home. You can negotiate the rent amount. Excuse me. You can negotiate the option deposit or down payment that you pay to the seller. And what else can you negotiate? You can negotiate the term, the number of years. So let's say the seller is really adamant on their price. You can say, well, you know, I don't know, but what if I could get you that price? Could you let me rent it for five years instead of three years? Or what if they're stuck on that rent? They have to have that rent. Well, what if I could get you that rent? Uh, would you be willing to let the option price be 140 instead of 150? or something like that. Or if they're insistent on the two years, it's gotta be two years. Well, then you can negotiate. What would you, you could tell us other, what would you rather, I can give you that, what would you rather give me? A lower rent or a uh, lower price? So you can negotiate, that's a cool thing. You can negotiate price or terms. You, you need to, if the seller's motivated, it's not a big deal. But you give the seller the choice. You can have the price that you want if I get the terms that I want, or I'll give you the terms that you want if you give me the price that I want. Does that make sense? So always be thinking about that. You can negotiate things. And let's say, you know, even they're stuck on their price, 
you can negotiate rent credits. You can say, all right, well, what if I give you that price? Will you give me $200 a month rent credit for every month that I pay the rent on time? You'll reduce the price of the home by $200. The other thing you can negotiate is instead of giving them a fixed price, give them the a fixed amount for their equity. In other words, so you could say, I'll give you $20,000 for your equity in five years. But over five years, you're gonna be paying down that principal. So they may have $20,000 equity now, but in five years, they'll have $50,000 equity and you get 30 and they get 20. Does that make sense? So you, there's a lot of cool things that you can negotiate on a lease option deal. You need to be open to that and just listen to what it is that they really want. In other words, like I might say things, if I can get you that price, could we do a lease option deal today? So before I even give any concessions, I'll say, if I can get you that price or I can get you that rent, would you be willing to do a lease option deal today? And they say, yep. I say, great, this is how I can get you that rent. And it's okay if you say no, but I can get you that rent if you can give me this price of that, or we can do five years instead of three years. Do you understand the power of that? All right, so when you're making an offer to a seller, it's you wanna get, these are like the minimum requirements. You wanna try to get 10 to 15% equity in the house of the as-is value. So if it needs 20 grand in work, you gotta factor that in, okay? And that's typically, you can show them it's the same equity they would get if they sold it with a realtor. That's number one. Number two, you gotta get about 20, 25% of the rent in cash flow. So you need to get at least you know, $300 a month in cash flow on this property. That's the difference between what you're paying the seller and collecting in rent. The third thing that you can, in your offer is the term. And you wanna to try to get a minimum, bare minimum of three years. You wanna shoot for five. I always try to ask for five years first. I did a really good podcast with a friend of mine, Peter Conti, where we talked about this. You should go check it out because the way he positions it with sellers, he usually gets seven to 10 years. And it's pretty cool how he does it. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and do a search for Peter or Peter Conti, rather, C-O-N-T-I, Conti, and you'll see a couple podcasts we did, and, and it's really cool how he, how he negotiates that with the sellers. So those are the uh, three things in your offer, right? The rent, the down payment, I, I forgot to mention that. I normally will put down on a sandwich lease option deal, I'll put $1,000 down or one month's rent because I'm getting that money anyway from the tenant buyer. It just makes the seller feel more comfortable with it. And again, right, I'm making 30, 40 grand on this deal. I have no problem paying the seller a thousand bucks or $2,000. That's not even coming out of my pocket anyway. So you want to make sure you try to get three to five years, about $300 a month in cash flow or 25% of the rent. You want to try to get 15% equity in the property and you want to um, try to put down the least amount of money up front as possible, but you want to try to put, you know, a thousand bucks or so. So anyway, part of the offer is a credibility kit. And I'm going to show you that credibility kit in the one deal case study, because that's really important. If you're new to this business, you don't want to try to sell the lease option concept to a seller on the phone. You know, just ask them questions about the house. Tell them you'll send them a proposal that explains how it all works. And you'll talk to them later if they're interested in it or not, right? We're not chasing sellers. And as you start talking to them, you know, it's okay if you don't, because this trips people up. Like, I don't, I've never done a deal before. They're gonna, what if they ask me, how many lease options have you done? Or, you know, can you give me some references? If the seller asks me for references, even though I have some that I could give to them, I could say, listen, honestly, I don't give people's names out, uh, personal information for sellers that I've done deals before. And it's, I hope you can understand, but it sounds to me like you're probably just not even interested in this lease option uh, concept right now. Are you, are, is that right? Are you telling me that uh, this is done? We're done or whatever. And they'll say, nah, no, no, no. Or yeah, yeah. Sometimes they've even said, listen, Mr. Seller, what does it matter? If I've done one or a hundred lease option deals before, I got tenant buyers right now banging on my doors looking for properties in this area. Oh, I can get somebody in here really, really good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not 
pitching, I'm trying to say here that I'm not trying to be a broker when I'm putting a buyer and a seller together. I'm just saying I've got people right now that are looking for houses because I'm I'm going to be managing it. And so you understand what I'm saying? Anyway, hope that makes sense. In the uh, onedealcasestudy.com, you'll get that, that credibility kit that does the selling for you. And um, it has, you know, the list of references on there. It has a frequently asked questions, like three pages of frequently asked questions. It has a page explaining the features and the benefits of a lease option and what it is and what you'll do and what you'll take care of. It's a pretty sweet odd document. And you can send that to a seller in an email and in the physical mail, follow up with them and all that good stuff. That's an important credibility thing that you need to have that you can give to sellers. And remember, most of them are going to say no the first time you talk to them about a lease option. That's normal. That's the way it goes. You got to follow up. And it's going to take on average five, six, seven times of follow up before you do these deals. All right. So that's it, guys. I'm out of here. The next podcast I do is going to be about what? Making the offer. Oh, the contract. What the contract is. I have one contract that I use. And then after that, we'll talk about how to sell the properties. But all of this it's going to be covered in a lot of really good detail in onedealcasestudy.com. And go check that out, onedealcasestudy.com. It starts in a few days as you are listening to this. And once it starts, we're going to shut the doors. So you got to go check it out right now. Onedealcasestudy.com. Bye-bye.